1: So today is the day we set aside to, you know, just, you know, look to God and appreciate him and, you know, tell him thank you for all the things he's been doing and all the things he's yet to do. Praise the Lord. So to help us do that, we want to, you know, just um, have some understanding and look at a few things this morning. I trust the Spirit of God will help us. Praise the Lord. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. You know, the second part of it, that our Lord Jesus is the express image talking about. Okay, let's just read from verse 1 so we get the uh, text. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in this last day spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Who being, this is Jesus, the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The part I want to, you know, emphasize, take from this morning, it says, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person now god cannot be seen praise the lord god really is too big is beyond comprehension god is mighty god is awesome god is untraceable okay god is on um, he's inscrutable god is big beyond our biggest imaginations he's all that now but In the love of God, in the plan of God, in the kindness of God, he compressed himself in Jesus. Praise the Lord. So that in Christ Jesus, he began to show us this is what God is like. Praise the Lord. So when Jesus came into the world, he had the agenda. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. So Jesus came in, as we all know, to... Die for our sins and redeem us back to God. Praise the Lord. That sacrifice was necessary to bring us back to God. But before he died, he lived. Praise the Lord. And the period he lived, 30 years, you know, plus about that. He lived every day that men may begin to know this is what God is like. Praise the Lord. So Jesus came to show us what God is like. John chapter 1, verse 18, you can just put that. It says, no one has seen God at any time. John 1, 18. No one has seen God at any time. He says, the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, what has he done? He has declared him. Just put the living Bible, let's see how he put it. I think it says he has told us. Thank you. It says, no one has ever actually seen God. But of course, his only son has. For he is the companion of the Father. And what has he done? He has told us all about him. Praise the Lord. So Jesus came to tell us, to show us, so that if I want to relate with God... I can see in the life of Jesus, I can see in the manner of Jesus how to relate with God. I'll see how Jesus related with men, I'll see how Jesus responded with men to men. I'll see how Jesus transacted with men and then I can see this is how God is also what transacting with me at this time. Amen. Why is this understanding very paramount? Why is it important we get this understanding? Because Christianity This faith that we belong to, those of us who are here are Christians, or will become Christians by the end of the day, amen? And those who are watching, our Christianity is primarily a relationship. Do you understand? Christianity is not a religion, but for purposes of classification, like sometime recently I was filling a form for visa, and they didn't have a provision for pastor. So uh, um, I think I saw one that said um, community work. Or something like that. I just had to find some, you know, somewhere to classify myself as because I am not an engineer, maybe. But I think I engineer human beings a bit, you know. Uh, hallelujah! I'm not a medical doctor. Neither am I a native doctor. Maybe uh, a spiritual doctor, S S doctor. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, because I believe that if there's someone sick and we pray and lay hands, what happens? jesus heals the person so uh, in a sense i'm a doctor okay but i really didn't find anywhere in that form you know the places they put so i just had to find something close to it i'm saying that to say that christianity is not a religion christianity is primarily a people who have come into have been restored into the original relationship that god intended to have with all of his creation God created man. The Bible said, God said, let us make man how? In our image. What do you do with your image? When you look to the mirror, what do you do? You look at yourself, you make adjustments, you interact, isn't it? Praise the Lord. So God made us to relate with us. And as we know, the Bible said God will come in the cool of the day, you know, and speak with Adam and walk with Adam and, and just converse with him. But we know what happened, you know, man missed it, man fell. And that relationship was broken. A man got into trouble. Now, when Jesus came, he came to restore us. In fact, that John 3:16, can you put it for us? And let's see 17 and 18. When Jesus came, now it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. You know, many times when we preach the gospel to people, people say, Don't, you know, don't condemn me, don't do this. No, man is already condemned. Praise the Lord. Man is already damaged from the fall of Adam. Every man that the psalmist said, in sin did my mother do what? Conceive me. From the moment we are born, we are born damaged. We are born defective. We are born incapable. We are incapable of this relationship with God. So we are already in a default problem. Now, Jesus came to restore us to where God wanted us to be originally. Praise the Lord, somebody. So he says, God didn't send his son to condemn the world. No. But that the world through him might what? Be saved. That's why the message of Jesus, however you hear it, is good news. You know, some people think that good news of Jesus is when he just says, I love you, I love you, I love you. No, the name Jesus is good news because without the name of Jesus, you know what the angel said to the shepherd? He said, peace and joy, goodwill to all men. Why? Because the Savior has been born. Without him, there is no goodwill. Praise the Lord. Without him, there is no joy. Without him, there is no peace. Without him, there is nothing good coming out of this world. Every man is expiring. Praise God. So, it goes on and verse 18, puts it this way. It says, he who believes in him, what is not condemned, is no longer condemned. The condemnation is existing already. But he who does not believe, it remains in that condemnation. I'm paraphrasing now. Because why? He has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, who is the Savior of the whole world. Are we getting it now? So, Christianity, I'm still trying to make the point, is a relationship. Is not a religion. That we're going to, you know, hopefully the Holy Spirit will help us to, you know, get why that is very important as we go on. And if Christianity is a relationship with God, what then should follow from that that is extremely important? Can anybody help me? The Bible gives us the secret. The most important thing now should be the knowledge of this person that I'm relating with. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus, our Lord Jesus, teaching us, said to us, This is what? Eternal life that you may do what? That you may know God. It's the knowledge of this God. It's not strength. It's not power. That's why the Bible can say, Not many wise, not many noble, not many mighty. You know, God is not looking about for the best people, for the most intelligent people, for the most, you know, uh, the richest people. No. He's God Almighty. Okay, so the most important thing because of this is the knowledge. Because relationship is interaction between two parties. Now, if I know him more, like the song says, there's a song that used to say, if I know him better, I will love him better. If I love him better, I will serve him better. Okay, it's very important. The knowledge of God. So when you become a Christian, you are enlisted into an army of men and women who are in pursuit of Of the knowledge, of the correct knowledge of God. Praise the Lord. Not techniques, not methods, not power, none of those things. It is the knowledge of God. In fact, it was so important that at the time our Lord Jesus was being interrogated by the Jews, and they they said to him, John 6:28, you can put it on the screen. They said, Okay, okay, let's leave all that, you know, all those things you're saying. What might we do? That we might walk the works of God. They say, just give us a conclusion. You know the answer our Lord Jesus gave in verse 29. He said, this is the work of God. Let me hear you say. That I believe in him, whom what? Can you imagine that? So somebody says, I want to be whatever it is. And they say, just believe in me. I thought he would have given seven steps. 80 press-ups. Go to this mountain. Find a pregnant tortoise. Isn't it? Say this is the work of God. That what? That you might believe in him whom he has what? Sent. So, God is saying, this thing is for you to focus on me, to know me. To grow in the knowledge of God. Why? Because everything that is going to be beneficial to you in this relationship or rather in your Christianity, is going to be derived from this relationship. So you know me better, you understand me better, you love me better, we can flow together. Praise the Lord. And this is why there are some questions you would have heard from the scriptures that the understanding of this will help you. Let me give you one of them. You know, someone had pointed out, and it's so true, Saul did not commit adultery. King Saul did not steal. King Saul did not commit murder. But Saul was rejected, deposed by God, allowed to be, you know, possessed by evil spirits. David, you know, engineered the mother of of, of Bathsheba's husband, slept with Bathsheba, somebody's wife, and yet God says what? I found David, the son of Jesse, what? A man after my heart. What is the difference? Saul did not know God. David knew God. Now, what is the provision? Just like we have, you know, we've been learning in Sunday school now. The riches in Christ. Forgiveness is part of what God has packaged to relate with us. So, a man is not really condemned because he sins. A man is condemned because in his sin, he does not seek God for forgiveness. I get in there? So, David did commit adultery. David did commit murder. But David repented like no man ever repented. Praise the Lord. And because in the nature of God, the Bible says there is forgiveness with him that he might be feared. Now, if you read some translations, our Lord's Prayer, where he says, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Let me show you something that will help you. You see, some translations will say, Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are what? Indebted to us. Now, see it this way. See forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is talking about art. But see it in this way. Imagine if you had a billion dollars, okay? And everybody around here were indebted to you. Some of us, you know, are owing you one million. Some of us are owing you 500,000. Some of us are owing you five naira and all of that. Now, how do you show how large you are? Is it when you're grabbing people by their trousers for owing you 50,000 naira? Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, because God is so big, and because His holiness and His bank of morality and goodness is so large, He can forgive transgressions out of the riches of His glory. Are you getting it? Now? When the Apostle Paul begins to talk about the riches of Christ, those are some of the things he's talking about. When God forgives, He forgives out of His holiness. It is his righteousness that forgives. I get in it now. So David understood that. So when he sinned, he went back to the same God. Praise the Lord. We are still looking at why it's important to know him. Because when you know him, you will prosper in your Christianity. Somebody say amen. So come with me to Psalm 50. Let's see a bit about this God. Now I'll read from verse 7. Verse 7 says, hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle on a thousand hills, they belong to me. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. Twelve, he said, if I were hungry. I will not tell you. For the world is mine and all its fullness. Praise the Lord. It says, will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? It says, offer to God what? Thanksgiving. And pay your vows to the Most High. It says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will do what? Deliver you and you shall glorify me. Let's stop there for now. We may be able to look at more. Now, what am I trying to pick out from here is this. And I I try to communicate it by asking you a question. Have you had some friendship with someone who basically didn't have any need or deficiencies that you could supply? You had a friend in school, you know, there are people like that in school. They were intelligent. They were good looking. Okay. They could play sports. They had a car on campus. They had a lot of money, but they were your friends. So all you do is, when it's food time, you enter their car. You go to eat, you finish eating, they pay. They give assignments, you're struggling with it, they help you with it. Did you have, have you had friends that were just together, but they were your friends? Now, let me ask you, with such friends, what do you supply to them? Now, expand that, extrapolate that to the limits of your imagination. That is how God is to you. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is eternal. God is complete on his own. He has no need. That's what he was saying in Psalm 50. He was saying to children of Israel, I will not eat your food. We have friends that even to wake up, they ask us to eat. They will ask us, isn't it? So we know how dependent they are on us. Okay. But God is saying, I don't have any need. Now with such a God, who you are now in relationship with, how do I please him? Lack of understanding of this is where many people have, you know, packed their Christian race. Because they come to God imagining like a man, or like a normal man. The, The truth is that the scenario I painted, no man really will qualify for that, but just for imagination purpose, Okay. But God is so much that and more. God is so complete. Now, today we're going to praise him, we're going to sing and we're going to dance. But do you know what? The angels are bowing before him, they're singing before him. Creation is worshipping him. I like the song that says the trees of the field, they clap their hands. The birds are singing, the seas, you know, the oceans are roaring. The beasts are, you know, they're testifying to the glory of God. The firmaments, everything is praising God. So, you must be humbled asking yourself, what can I bring to the table? In this relationship, it's lack of understanding of this. That's what pushes men into religion. I've heard not a few people, you know, who say, well, I'm sure they're not in this church. When they want to tell you about their relationship with God, they tell you they pay tithe. Because they imagine that God is a pastor. Payment of tithes would delight any, any pastor that sees a member that pays tithe will be happy. Because they use the money to run the church. But you see, God doesn't need tithe. And God will build his church even without your tithe. Praise the Lord. But you make the pastor happy. So you can actually get the pastor a bit to be, you know, to turn his eyes away from some things you do. If you're a faithful, tithe payer. But I don't think that will work for me, though. Because the money is needed. So you see some people, they say they do this. I do this for God. I do that for God. I build God a house. I go to church early. I do all of that. All of those things are necessary. They will be so powerful if God needed them to be God. But you see, he's God all by himself. The song says, before time began, you were on your throne. We don't gather to make him God. We gather to acknowledge or see him as God. Are you getting it? This is the God that we're in relationship with. That part caught me. He said, if I were hungry, He is never hungry, but He said, even if I become hungry, I won't send you a message. If I want to travel, I won't ask you. I don't travel, but if I needed to, I have no need. How then do I properly relate with this God? How what do I bring to Him? The Bible tells us of an account in 1 Samuel 15. Let's go there. We are told about this Saul. King Saul is somebody that had a great privilege. He was the first king chosen over God's people. And I don't think God chose him to replace him. Because by God saying, I have replaced men that he was meant to stay. But see what happened with this Saul. He didn't understand what we are learning today. Let's go to 15 from verse 1. I'll read through and I'll jump. It says, Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Verse 1. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. Now he ambushed him on the way when he came out from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. But keep both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in him, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go depart, go, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, verse seven, and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Samuel and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything, despised and worthless, that they did what? They utterly destroyed. Praise the Lord. Okay, 10 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set Saul up as king, for he has turned back from following me, and has not performed my commandments. And he grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, he was told, Samuel was saying, Saul went to Camel. And indeed, he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. You know what was happening here? Already here, Saul was celebrating the victory. Because in those days, when kings go to battle and come back in victory, there's a victory procession. So that's what Saul was doing here. And Samuel went to Saul, yes? And then Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Somebody said they hear. <laughs> but some said, "What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear?" And Saul said, "They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spread the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed." Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet. That's not the way he said it. He must have shouted at him. But you know, I'm preaching. There's a wow shouting. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said, Speak on. You can still see Saul's attitude here. They want to promote me to field marshal. <laughs> so Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and gone on the mission which the Lord has sent me, and brought back Agag, king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Can you see what is going on here? Saul didn't know God, but he didn't know who he was dealing with. In his mind, he was like, like the Bible says, he was awake and aware in what he did, in his choices. And he processed those choices based on his understanding of who God was. When he started destroying the Amalekites, when he saw the oxen, he saw them fat and looking good. He said, God, well, like God. if God saw this oxen, he wouldn't have commanded me to destroy. It. He said, keep this one here. He'll move. He said this one. ah, No, God. All the ones that were not good. He said, destroy, destroy. So in Saul's mind, God was like him. Are you with me? God was a God that needed to be helped. God was a God that, you know, that if he made a decree and something was going to benefit him or threaten him, he will adjust. Saul was ordered, kill Agag. Kill the king of Amalekai, the Amalekites. But Saul said, no, If if I kill him, Who would know the type of victory? You know, it is a superior victory when you catch the enemy alive. But if you kill, it could have been an accident. Okay. So Saul calculated all of that and made his conclusions and said, This is the best way to handle this. God, you gave me an instruction, but I'm upgrading it. I'm upgrading it because if you knew what I know now, do you understand? God, if you know what I know, you would have ordered what I'm doing now. So that's why when he came back, he, when saw Samuel came, he greeted him from afar. Bless be Samuel of the Lord. Come in, come in. Let's celebrate. But God made a statement to him through the prophet. Verse 22. It says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is what? Better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. The foundation of Christianity is that you, that you, that you, that you, that me, I obey the voice of God. Not what I do. Because you can come in and be doing all your doing. And you're in complete disobedience of a direct instruction God has given you. Now, no sacrifice will free you from that. Like I started saying, the pastor can free you. The church organization can free you. The target of the church can free you. I was listening to to, uh, that Dr. Conodo, and and he said something. He had said it before, but I never really understood it. And he said that that he taught them, you know, when he was discipling them. That the challenge most Christians have, or most people have, or maybe most pastors, I don't know whether it's pastors or Christians, is that at a stage in their lives, because there is not so much, you know, responsibility or whatever around them, it's so easy for them to hearken to the voice of the Lord. But when they grow, this is, I think, more more like pastors now. When the organization begins to grow, and their target, 1,000 parishes next month, Uh, 500 converts this and this and that when those burdens come it is so easy to now enter into where you get into pragmatism which means the end now begins to justify the means all of a sudden the voice of the Lord is shortened so you get into where whatever you're doing is what will bring that result that you have said before you that's why I keep shouting it here the Christian does not have ambition His only ambition is to serve Christ, to honor Christ. Are you getting me? Once you set a target, this is what you must get. The enemy will suggest to you how to accomplish it. Is someone getting me? And that is where we have almost entered as the church in Nigeria. Do you know where we are almost in the church in Nigeria? We're in the church where we don't worship, we don't really worship God. We worship crowd. Pastor, explain that to me. We do what will bring crowd and we do what will keep crowd. It's as simple as that. So we want to do a program and we know a brother in Jahid 2 who can sing like anything but we will not put him on our fly. You know why? Because he won't bring crowd to the program. So we go and fetch somebody that has one million followers. By that, what have we judged? We have judged by crowd. It's as simple as that. And then when the people are coming also, when they peep, they say, how many people attended the program? They say, 70 people. They say, the Lord is not there because the crowd is not there. They go to the other place and they see 7,000. They say, the Lord is surely amongst them. It's a worship of crowd that we're in. And you know what? It's working because, you see, anything that men, and people decide to worship, they devote power to it. They credit it with power. That's why idols have power. Idols are stones, rocks, you know, wood, carved iron, all of that. They don't have power, but when a community comes and bows down before something, you know, so, some people have said, we, we should start getting our public officials to swear with the idols in the village. Why those things were powerful then was that the village credited it with power. Everybody said, you are God. If all of us gather now and say to you, you are captain. If you come out, won't you obey? Simple. So the same thing, when you say to wood, you are God. The demon will enter the wood and start operating. So, Saul didn't know that God was complete. So, when God speaks, when you hear the voice, when I hear the voice of God, the most important thing I should occupy myself with is making sure that I hearken, I respond, I obey that voice. Now, any other thing I do should follow should not replace are you with me because at, at a point i was getting a bit confused so i had to ask the question i had to ask the question i said god but you see there, there are lots of things that you ask us to do that also might appear sacrifice okay in fact almost everything we do for God. The Bible says uh, romans 12:1. it says i beseech you therefore brethren by the message of god that you present what your bodies are living sacrifice okay Holy and acceptable to God, which is what? Your reasonable service. And I was inquiring, but that's what the Bible said I should do. He said, read it again. I read it again. I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your what? Bodies. He said the difference is this now. When, what Romans 12, 1 is saying is this. When you present your body, you say, I'm here, Lord. And then whatever he says, if he says, go left, I go left. He says, go right, I go right. He says, sit down, I sit down. Isn't it? Whatever he says to me, do it. But the other sacrifice is the one that when God says to me, go left, I don't want to go left. So I offer him a big push forward. So he says, the difference between the obedience and the sacrifice is that sacrifice is inspired from me. Obedience is inspired from him. If he asks me to do it, it's obedience. If I originate it from myself, it is sacrifice. Now, if he asked me to do something, and when I'm done doing it, I add my own. It's acceptable. It is a pleasing sacrifice. But when he asks me to do something, in disobedience to his voice, I go to do my own. That is because I began to think that I can influence him to change what he said. How many of us have gone to buy things from my Igbo brothers? Either Wuse Market or, um, I, think, I think Wuse Market. You're, you go, you're looking for you're looking for brown socks. They don't have socks at all. They'll bring pullover for you. <laughs> These socks you went to buy hmm. Say, this one, eh? Hey. <laughs> you're, you're looking for socks. They'll bring pullover. And try to, co- sometimes I look at them. I say, ah, uh-uh. ah. <laughs> Do you understand? But you know, that's what we do with God. Some people are listening to me now. And God is giving you clear instruction. And it might even concern the tithe I'm talking about, but not from the pastor. And God is saying, take that money. Pay it in. Pay it in. And you say, I love you, Lord. He saying, I can't hear you. He's saying, I can't hear you. I don't want to say the person is a thief. He's saying, do this, do this. And you're just saying, Lord, anywhere you send me, I will go. He said, don't go, sit down, transfer the money. Do you understand? And we're just trying to sell God something he doesn't want. Why? Because in our heart of hearts, we don't know how big. Child of God, may the Lord open your eyes to how big God is. To how great he is. And then to how good he is. Because Saul, in this case, just thought of it. He said, listen, God, when I bring Agag back alive it will increase my honor amongst the people. Imagine he's leading a procession and he's leading bound the king of the Amalekites. It would raise his profile in the community. But the Bible says exaltation does not come from the east or west. He said God is what? The judge. Instead of that act lifting, lifting him, what did he do? He brought him down. So you and I must consciously sit down and ask, who and what is God like? I'm still going somewhere. In this season, today Thanksgiving is here. What I come to share with us, child, to, you know, my brothers and sisters, is this. God has emotions. What did I say? God has emotions. Jesus showed it to us. Praise the Lord. In John 11:35. Thank you. Even though Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, because he loves Mary, because he loves Martha, when he saw their sorrow, he wept. It was a weeping that was not for long. Because in the next moment, he raised them. But he wept. It showed that, you know, he's not just principle. Praise the Lord. He's not uh, artificial intelligence. Okay? He's not a robot. He's God. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So Jesus wept, but he still raised them. But he had made a point there. That the God that we serve is a God that has emotions. God is is not all power. God is not electric current. Praise the Lord. That's why when we pray, when some of us are praying, and you're saying, Holy Ghost fire! You know, you're throwing him like explosive. He's not like that. The Holy Spirit is the one that seals us with salvation. So when you send him somewhere, when he goes there, he's searching, how can I save here? He's not going to kill anybody. He's the Spirit of the Father. He's the Spirit of the Son. Do you understand what I'm saying? But people who don't know God think that anywhere Holy Ghost fire comes. Sometimes Holy Ghost fire comes to purify. He comes to comfort. Do you understand? He comes to separate. He comes to revive. So when the Holy Ghost fire, they don't know God. They think uh, it's from Shango. They are getting their revelation of God from. Is it Shango or Shango? Shango. That's the revelation they, they have. Thunder. So anywhere you hear them pray, they say, fire, fire. They don't know this God. Praise the Lord. What burns in the heart of God is love for his people. It's the father's good pleasure to do what? To give us the kingdom. He wants people to come into the knowledge. So Jesus, you know, showed us there that he has emotions. In another account, in Luke 13, 34 to 35, when he was, you know, lamenting over jerusalem you could see his regret jesus shows god god has plans for you god has plans for me and when you read the bible you see that god's intense desire is that you and i will align with his will but this is what he said over jerusalem he said oh jerusalem oh jerusalem the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her how often i'd wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers a brood under, but you were not willing. So, when we rebel against God, when we refuse to align, young people that are here, God has a plan for your life, God has a direction for you to flow. It will most likely not be the popular direction, but there's a plan that will lead you to a place where glory will be assured. Praise the Lord, somebody. So we see Jesus, we see him expressing emotion. Another emotion we see Jesus expressing is when he's frustrated. Praise the Lord. When he's really frustrated. When I saw that, I said, oh, sorry, Jesus. Mark 6, verse 6. Here, what the Bible says is this. It says, he marveled because of their unbelief. You know what it means to marvel? To marvel is to be astonished. It means, What? I wish I could act better. It means, what's going on here? Do you understand? Jesus marveled. Unbelief shocks him. And now you can listen to that and you may not connect with it. But how many of us here are married? Let me see. If you're married. Okay, let's use the men. Okay, just men that are married here. Praise God. God bless you. Now, put your hands down. Imagine as a man now, you marry your wife. And you're loving your wife. You're faithful to your wife. You know, you're just doing everything to just please and satisfy her. Every day when you come back, she's inspecting you. Who did you talk to today? Give me your phone. She's inspecting. Eh? For some reason, there's a delay. You're coming back. And they say, hey, you have gone somewhere again. You know that can destroy that marriage? It will destroy that marriage. Because you see, when somebody is faithful... And the person is accused of unfaithfulness. There is no sharper sword you can put in the person's heart. Because at that point, there is nothing he can do. You see, if somebody is a thief and you are accusing him of stealing, he will start reducing. Do you understand? But somebody is not a thief. And every time you are calling him a thief. What you are doing is that you are stabbing the person. Now, when we don't believe God, what I want to ask is, on what grounds do you doubt God? Has he ever disappointed you? Does he have a record of failure? When God says, wait for me, and we refuse to wait, please give me the reason why you will not wait for him. When God says, I love you this morning, he, he said I should ask, you know, he asked me and I asked you. He said, which investor would invest? I mean, doesn't even doesn't even capture it. Jesus is God's only Son, so God sends His only Son, okay, to die to redeem you, and then after He sends His only Son to die to redeem you, you're wondering, will He give me shoe? I know this. He won't give me shoe. Ah, since, since 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 January, hmm. I've been I've been asking God to do this one, one thing for me, oh. And then, he's looking at you. So, God will invest his son in you. And then, will refuse to give you Vaseline to rub on your body. Think about it now. He says, no good thing. You see, even the affirmations are almost like an insult to him. He has to keep explaining to himself, I'm faithful, wait on me. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why I said, you see, sometimes you must free God. That's why God got excited with men who could make some statements. Hebrew boys. He said, we know God will deliver us, but we're not even putting him to the test. He's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our devotion. Jesus marveled. When you go home, check, or if you have your phone, check the word marvel. It's the same word that we use to respond to wonders. A dead man rises, we marvel. God sees unbelief, he marvels because there's no reason. Thank you, He said, Do you know why 419 people succeed in doing people 419? They are prepared for your suspicion. Do you understand? They're prepared because they know they're lying. But you see, if someone is telling you the truth, sometimes people who are telling the truth sometimes appear as if they're unserious. Now tell me now. he said, I've told you, what else will I tell you? He's going, But four or nine people, when you say now tell me, they'll tell you another one. Now tell me, they'll tell you another one. They have it prepared because they know they're standing on falsehood. So they keep backing it up. But God is faithful. God is reliable. The song says, you've been faithful, Lord, from the ages past. Do you understand? That is how long God has been and he has never failed. Beyond that, he has made the commitment that is irreversible. His son has died. And the son that died, he said, tell them, this son that died did not remain dead. He was raised for a justification. So he did not just enforce, he did not just release the will to become effective. But he rose up to be the enforcer of the will. Are you with me? Now, he's just not enforcing the will. He's making intercession so that I, you, all of us can be beneficiaries. We can fit the conditions because the will can favor you, but you're unable to meet the conditions. But he ever lived to make intercession so that my life and your life can be suitable so that all that he's written for us will be ours. And then without him, he marvels. He can't understand it. He just can't understand it. And you know, where he was talking about it was his hometown. So he had been here for 30 years plus. And they doubted him. Never told a lie. John the Baptist said, you don't have need of baptism. We know you. Excellent. Done all things well. Yet they doubted him. He marveled. Okay? So we see that excitement. But the other one we now go to as we close is, come with me to Mark 8. And... Because of time, maybe we'll just read. Just bear with me. Let, me. let me read from six. So this centurion gets to Jesus and says, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word and my servant will be what? Healed. He says, for I also am a man under authority having soldiers under me. And I said to this one, go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my servant do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard it, what happened? He said, he did what? He marveled. Jesus got excited. He screamed and he turned to those who were around him and said, look, did you hear that? Did you see that? He turned and said, look at this. He said, I say to you, I surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. This is it. Child of God, all I've been trying to say is this. I want you from today to seek to make your life to cause Jesus to marvel. Is someone getting me? To make Jesus to say, Gabriel, come, Gabriel. Ah, angels come. Can you see him? Can you see that, my son? What? He has emotions. He does that. That's why when Stephen was being stoned, he stood up. He said, look at him. What a wonder. Stephen didn't say, kill them. Stephen said, Father, do not commit. Jesus said, what? This person understands this. That's what it's about. So today's Thanksgiving, we will dance. Praise the Lord. We will sing. We will do all of that. But as we go from church, Let's enter into a season of competition of who will wow God more. Are you with me? With our faith, with our devotion, with our love. So I'm no longer doing this to get out of trouble. No, I'm in relationship with him, but I just want to to bless my God. I just want to please my God. I just want to honor my God. Why? Because if I cook food for him, he won't eat. He's not hungry. If I bring the money, they use it for me here. They use it for AC, for building, you know, for generator. What will I do for this God? He says, put your trust in me. Live a life that men will wonder, you and this, your God. How many of us, almost everybody here works in offices, right? Let your colleague say, you and this, your God. Your own is too much. I get in it. Let the boast of the Lord be in your mouth. Let the express demonstration of confidence in God be in your activities. Are you getting me? Be a demonstration to heaven that we also know that he has emotions. If you've been close to some, some very wealthy men, many times their hearts are broken. Why are their hearts broken? Not that they don't have money. Because they see that people don't care for them for them. Nobody really cares how they, they... Everybody comes around them just to get something from them. But today, the Father's Church is saying, we want to please you. You know, that's what they were talking about in the New Testament. When he says the prophets, Barnabas, and Paul, and the rest of them. He said they gathered together. I know what they were doing. He said they were ministering to the Lord. They didn't gather to call down fire on their enemies. They didn't gather to say this door must open. They didn't gather all of that. They just gathered to minister to the Lord. They gather to worship the Lord. They gather to say to the Lord, you made me. I can never get over that. I remember that I didn't know I needed ears. It's not easy for you to think about. But did you know you needed ears? God gave you ears because he wants you to hear. God who created me put everything I needed in my body. And then he says, as I leave, I should seek first his kingdom. And then every other thing I need, what is he going to but somebody is going to come and say to me, Pastor, you have this, I don't have that. That's a challenge. The God who loves me and loves you says he shows no partiality. So what God has given me, there's a song that they used to sing when I was young as an able person. I thought it was okay. It's, it's, the song actually says, o ken ken ozugo. that's the portion that God has given to me. It's good for me. You know why? I don't know what I would do if God gives me your portion. Did you come to church today? Listen to me. You don't know what your life would have been if they gave you another person's portion. Maybe I would have been one crazy kingpin. You know, I don't know. What was that? Uh, Yeah, yeah, man. That is always marrying young girls. (laughs) Ned Woko. Some of you. The reason God has not allowed you to have more than enough money for fuel is that if your money can buy fuel and you know buy some more things, buy some more things, by now maybe it's seven wives. So God kept you where one wife is just all you can sponsor. If you... <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? God who loves me knows what I can handle. The challenge is when I take my eyes off him and begin to look around. And I begin to tell him, Lord, that one is there. That one is there. The moment I enter that, I've also begun to doubt his love and dedication to me. God loves me. First, understand that. God loves us. And God has me as his child. We all are his what? children. I don't know as men, you know, thank you, Holy Spirit. And Lord Jesus' teaching said to us, eh? he, said, he said, Ask, you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. For if any man asks, you know, this and that. And then He went on and made a statement. He said, Which of you, being evil, if your son asks you for bread, will you give him a stone? You know, Jesus said that. Why do you think Jesus made that statement? Anybody? He made that statement because there will be seasons in my life. Where I go to my heavenly father and I say to him, daddy, please give me bread. And it will appear as if he didn't give me bread, but he gave me a stone. It will appear. But when I understand that I, being evil, will not respond like that to my son, then I'll begin to go back to say, when I don't respond in the exact manner my son wants, do I hate him? What am I doing? I'm looking to bring out a greater glory. Is someone with me here? Because some people have been going through their Christian life not understanding what is going on. And God is saying to you, I am not giving you a stone. I love you. Because you won't do that to your child. Why do you think I'll do that? I love you. Let's bow our heads. I want you to go to the Father. And for me, I just want to say thank you for loving me. I want to say thank you for being the kind of God you are. patient with me, having the plans, the best plans for my life. You are my God. I want to say to him, "Forgive me every time I've doubted you. Forgive my unbelief. Lord, you love me. Lord, you care for me. Lord, you are my God. Lord. I offer my life to you. I come today to say thank you for everything. Things I don't understand, thank you. Things I do understand, thank you. For you are my heavenly Father and you are good, you're not evil. You are omnipotent, you can handle all things. I trust you. This morning, I give you my worship, I give you my devotion. Receive, O oh Lord, from me, your daughter, your son, a heart of devotion. I want to be entirely yours. Lord, I thank you. I want you to go into some moments of intimacy. Tell him, Lord, I see now. You know, the songwriter sang this song. He said, I have made you too small in my eyes. I have believed in a lie. You don't need to play it. I believed in that, that you are unable to help me. But this morning I'm coming to you to say, Lord, you are my God. And you are big. You are mighty. You are reliable. You are dependable. You have me. You have my times. You have my uprising inscribed upon the palms of your hands. Is somebody trusting God for healing? God provided for it he did not wait for me to be sick to provide for my healing he said with the stripes of jesus i had been so i can i can rest in the assurance that there is a predetermined provision
0: You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Ban X Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja, for telephone 09 9000 or 0703 You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.